Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. Just for another Hello! Hey! And welcome to Season 32, Episode 22 of the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Kimmy. I'm Ingy. I'm Jake. <laughs> New guy beat you, Ingy. Come on. <laughs> I wasn't sure if he was going to go. Or okay. We, we go. practiced while we you were not in the room. Oh, gotcha. All right. In today's episode, Toby asks about running nonlinear games. Fuzzy Bob from the Discord asks about a bait and switches with games with their players. And Mist shares a success story. If you'd like to contribute a question or story to the show, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Thank you, everyone who has responded when the beacons were lit for emails. Keep sending them. Yay. Yay. All right. Announcements. Game Days is coming up on November 4th. Game Days is our totally free Discord day where a bunch of people run a diff- bunch of different games and you can come and play and it's a bunch of fun. I think there's three or four games right now that you can go and just like RSVP for. I'm going to see if I can run something. So November 4th and kind of like around that day since we have people in a lot of different time zones around the world. So some of them end up on Friday and some of them end up on Sunday, but you know, eh, just average. Some exciting news about our Unsung Tales actual play. Some of you may or may not be caring, but we've been trying something new and submitting it to some web fests and stuff, and it's actually done okay. <laughs> so it's very exciting. So Jay, who is one of the players who played Sausage Brandy Bottom, um, That's God, a name. He's, he's, <laughs> the best <laughs> Hobbit name. So yes. good. One best actual play performer at the New Jersey Web Fest for it. We were nominated for a bunch of different stuff. And we actually just won best actual play video at the Sydney Web Fest. And we were nominated. We're up in the finals for the best actual play video at the Rio Web Fest. So it's successful, this experiment. So wild. Ta-da! We yeah. kind of did it just like on a lark because... My friend Aaron, who I've met, uh, who's a uh, part of Queen's Court Games, was like, you should do this. Just do it. Yeah, just do it. I was <laughs> like, okay, cool. This will be a waste of a couple bucks. It's fine. And then we started winning. I was like, oh, oh, thank you. It was good. Okay, cool. Remind me when we're done to get cool accolades <laughs> and stuff from you because I'm about to launch my thing. And at the end of it, I'm going to showcase my friend's stuff. And I want to do Happy Jacks as Aww, my first one. So thank you. Yeah. Anyway, so that's a fun little thing. And I'm proud of that since that was my AP. So. <laughs> Okay, October, Indie Designer of the Month. We're continuing with Monroe Wells Soto, he, they, and best itch.io thing ever. MonroeRow.itch.io is their <laughs> store. And you can find them at Eldritch Crow on Twitter. This week, we're talking about Rooted Together, which is a game about finding your community. So you play with a group of friends. It's a journaling game that utilizes a D6 where you are a mushroom folk. I'm looking, looking at all of you out there. <laughs> trying to build a community. It's rules light and open to expand into whatever sort of play style you find best. And it's usually $6, but right now it's on sale for $3. And it's just going great with like the spooky Halloween-y theme. So Monroe, sorry, I'm pulling all your spooky games and they're great. <laughs> There's so many good ones. So, and again, that's monroro.itch.io. 
which makes me smile every single time I say it. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, Jake, you're new. Hi, who are you and what makes you famous? I know famous people. That's what makes me famous. Uh, Not not that I am famous. Um, But yeah, so my name's Jake. I run a channel called Alt Haven, formerly known as Q Times. I am the co-founder and co-owner of the channel. I stream a bunch. I also create educational content for YouTube, primarily stuff teaching people how to play Pathfinder 2nd Edition and how, and like Pathfinder news that's coming out. I do that, but definitely slow down because children apparently take up a lot of time, (laughs) which is like mind boggling, right? You know, sweet summer child. (laughs) He's two weeks old and I'm already using him as an excuse (laughs) for why I don't do projects that have been a month old. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's the, my that's my shit. Oh, and I am an avid video ninja forcer of people that are using anything else like Google Meets or or Skype for their TTRPGs because no, so much, so bad. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> do, do you do any remote? You just a bunch of words. That... Yeah, yeah. No, no. I get. Do you do any remote TTRPG shows? Yeah, yeah. Well, not shows or like. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I do. I have a Wednesday game. It's been only three and a half years. Started during the pandemic as a one shot and is just some of the best role playing I've ever had. So nice. So a lot of times people that are doing remote shows, what they'll do is they'll use Google Meets and they'll use OBS and they'll just like put Google Meets up on a window and then screen capture each individual person and put them on their overlay. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is, is that if someone logs out, yeah, uh, it goes it, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've all we've all seen that, right? Where yeah. you see all of a sudden, like two people, one person's in two different screens or whatever. Video Ninja is a open source, free, no ads, no downloads, no data collection, like completely open source website that you can go to. That like I promote the hell out of. Don't get paid to. I just love <laughs> it that much, and I want people. Like my opinion about like TTRPG like live streams is that like if more people make like higher quality, it just raises everyone's like need to make a higher quality thing. And it also makes it more of a legitimate, like, like for, for that kind of entertainment. But it's really hard when you like go on, on to like the tabletop section of, of Twitch and see like just garbage. No, no, no. You guys (laughs) trust me. Trust me. When you go there and you just see garbage, like overlays and you just see garbage things. In fact, when we met for the first time, we met at Big Bad Con. Mm-hmm. I actually was, I gave a presentation on how to make your virtual <laughs> tabletop show suck less. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> ah, great title. Amazing title. And Dom, who's a good friend of ours, used to run Saving Throw Show. Yes. Is a big proponent of, of it as well. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Dom is actually the reason why Q Times existed in the first place. Oh, yeah. So a friend of mine was, they were trying to create a, a channel for themselves. And, but they didn't have the space. They didn't have like the, the equipment or the technical background. And they, but they got a gig to stream something for a place. And they, they literally, he came to me and says, Hey, can you stream a show? And I was like, yeah, I can make that happen. I got enough tools and stuff like that. And he goes, great. We're going to start streaming Friday. And it was like Monday. And I was like, <laughs> oh no. Fuck. Right. And so we started ha- that happened, but I actually got, to go to Saving Throw show when they were local. Yeah. And I I went there and Dom actually like sat down with me after the show and was like, yeah, this is this piece and this is this piece and like went through the entire system. So like I give a lot of ability to have made that quick turnaround 
on the fact that Dom was so kind to just be like, yeah, here, let me show you all the cool shit that we have. So, yeah. Well, that's so awesome. Great. I'm glad I had no idea what you're talking about because now I'm sold. Yeah. <laughs> uh, funny, uh, Dom is also why we stream. Oh, really? Cause, yeah, because it was like 2011. We were just podcast. We were doing actual plays, but just in podcast form. And I got invited to go like guest spot on one of their shows that Jameson was jamming. It was like their first campaign. It was D&D. <laughs> we all know how good I am at D&D. So I was like, oh yeah, I have to learn how to play this again. Because I had I don't think I'd ever played 5e. I, I think they'd switched to 5e. I only played 4e at that point because we don't really play D&D very often, Jake. So <laughs> I, I, I only play D&D when I am asked to do a charity stream on someone else's channel. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like frantically trying to remember how to play D&D that day. And they're like, oh, we need a caster. I'm like, okay, oh, no problem. But anyway, I went and we, it was like my first experience in like a streaming studio. It was like over the hill then. It wasn't here in North Hollywood. It was over off of Sunset. It was like a rental space. And I like left. I'm like, Stu, we can do this. We can, we have a garage. We can totally do this. Wow, was that a learning experience? I Don do was also, remember him yeah. saying, nobody's ever going to want to watch actual plays. Well, when Matt Mercer came into our studio and was yep. like, yeah, I have this idea for like a show where we play D&D and people watch and we all being laughed at him. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't talk to us anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just wish that we would had like done it for a long time. We wouldn't have, they still would. <laughs> we wouldn't be millionaires. It's fine. But anyway, yeah. So yeah, Dom, friend of the show, amazing person. Great, great person. And still, even though that he's not running anything right now for streaming is like, incredibly helpful on Discord with yeah. any question you have at technical about anything. He's still like a professional in this space as yeah. far as like making content and like a film maker and stuff like that. So it's still like, hey Dom, what do you recommend for this? Oh, this is what I... Yeah. This is a love fest. Yeah. Dom love fest. <laughs> it's like Dom yeah. deserves it. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, and we also know a bunch of great people like Terry <laughs> and Riley all came from, from Saving Throw. That's how I met them. And like a bunch of people. Uh, yeah, that's where uh, Nick came from. So we have a very big like family. Like we're, It's a little incestuous. It, right? It's a lot incestuous. Very... Especially in LA because everyone's desperate to do things. So yeah. mm -hmm. whenever there's like, oh, so-and-so has a studio, everyone's like flocks to like want to work with each other because it's like, oh, you have a studio? You have a studio? Like, let, like what can I be on? What can I do? Because yeah, yeah, I mean, you're in LA. You're in LA for a reason, which is is... I don't know. That's where my house is. Yeah. <laughs> it's where I was born. So yeah. I, didn't, I didn't really have a choice past that. <laughs> and now your kid. And now my kid is going to be forced to play uh, TTRPGs even now as a child. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I've already... Ooh, I've Get like already, the big dice though because the little ones are choking hazards. Well, I actually... actually got to start them early. Yeah. My cousin started me when I was five. Wow. Yeah. So I actually am sewing large foam dice yeah. so they're bigger than he is so <laughs> those will be his first set and he will use them until 10 yeah <laughs> we, I, uh, until they fall apart yeah james, exactly james v who's our mod for this show hi james uh, sent my little one like this awesome big foam larp dice so she has like a full set of dice that i have to like like quietly steal when I go run my booth at cons because people get to ro roll dice to like win things. <laughs> and cool. so it's always like, look over there. Mama's leaving. Okay. Bye. <laughs> she gets very annoyed. Mama, those are my dice. <laughs> no. no, I want Not the 20 one. Okay. You're like, 
who paid for them? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, some stranger that I don't know. <laughs> well, yes, accurate, but <laughs> still. Yeah, no, I, the plan is to uh, get the child quickly into uh, TTRPGs because, I mean, I'm not going to teach him math. And that's so this is the easiest way. That's you know? my job. Yeah, there you go. See, so you, you can teach him math. I, I'm going to teach him how to add one plus whatever number is on that D20. That's right. <laughs> yep. <sighs> that's why during the satanic panic, my mom, <laughs> w- other parents would be like, your, your kids play Dungeons and Dragons? Aren't you afraid that they'll go to hell? And she was like, no, there's nothing demonic about it. It's math problem solving. Like, that's it. Like, there, oh. and my dad was just like, he finally likes math. This is great. It, it's funny you mentioned Satanic Panic because I remember very vividly growing up and being at a thrift store. Mm-hmm. And on the shelf of the thrift store, there was a Dungeons and Dragons book. And it, but it was like in a box that had like little rubber miniatures about that big that were just like blue and a red guy and a yellow guy. Like, and I was like, oh my God, mom, I want this. This is so cool. Like, this is like, this looks really interesting. And my mom picks it up and she's like, no, you can't have that. And like throws it back on the shelf. And, I, wow. and it was a very vivid memory for like my entire life. And I did not understand it. And then I, I got into D&D. Like my first time actually playing TTRPGs was post-college. Mm. Like I hadn't played like nothing. I was like post-college. A friend of mine was like, hey, we're playing, we're playing Dungeons and Dragons. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Uh, whatever like I, I have no interest they're like oh well you should like come by and hang out and i was like eh. and then he's like spent the entire day w- at work literally just talking about it and like oh i i'm a sorcerer and i do all these really cool things <laughs> and we have a fighter and we have a druid and i was like oh that that's cool and i was like yeah we really need a rogue and i was like okay well wink wink yeah 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 <laughs> and he goes here do me a favor. he's like hey just come and hang out with us just just come and hang out watch us play for for one session mm-hmm. and i was like oh okay because but if you were to play like what what would you play and it's like well you said you need a rogue so like i guess i'd play a rogue <laughs> like they sound fun like sneaky sneaky stabby stab and they're like oh cool 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 and he's just like writing like at, as i'm driving to his house with like him sitting in the passenger seat then he goes cool here's your character sheet and i was like my, my what like <laughs> you're playing and i was like oh <laughs> <laughs> And then I'll be old bait and sweet. Yeah. And then, and then I am here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My ex girlfriend, we would go play at her house and she would be sitting on the couch, like, like you nerds do your thing. I'm sitting here with the kids and all that stuff. And we're all playing. And, and then she started like kind of moving a little closer. <laughs> and then she's like, well, I guess maybe I, play a character like this if as long as i didn't have to care about anything we're like yeah sure come on you don't have to care about shit and, and then you know you get them their first crit yeah mm-hmm. and then they care yeah and then they care what i found the, to get people into it that are like oh i'm gonna play a session is before we go and play what we do is we go to a game shop and i buy them their first set of dice i go look i love doing look that. well i was like if you're this is your character. Like, what dice do you see? And the like, the pretty, pretty math dice are just out there. And you're, they're just like, oh, well, that one's really cool. And I'm like, oh, is that, that what your character? Yeah, that's, oh, they're like a fire sorcerer. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, yes, mm-hmm. yes. And then they get it. And then they're like, well, I've got the set of dice now. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I going to use it for other than playing? Next you know? thing you know, they've got a book mm-hmm. and like three more sets of dice. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> 
Then they start quoting lore <laughs> that you wrote. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's, that's when it's really great. When oh, they start yeah. quoting things that you wrote, you're like, yeah. You're like, I wrote that? <laughs> I, like, I, I, told, I, I told you that? I started writing <laughs> the stuff on my web, website, allgaterpg.com, 25 years ago. And for years, nobody read it when they played. I never expected really anybody to read it. I wrote it kind of just for funsies for me. And then one day somebody starts quoting my website and I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> Those words are familiar. <laughs> yeah. I'm with Jake. Like, it's like totally my GMing moment. I'm like, yeah. And they start saying, oh, that sounds great. Yeah, that's what you said. Yeah, I know. That's why it sounds. Yes, yeah, I'm glad you remember that important, <laughs> important fact that I very, very much remember before you just said it aloud and then told me I said it. Yes. I feel like I am a terrible lore GM because I will have like I have a general idea. I'm like, this is where they're starting and this is where I want them to finish mm -hmm. between point A and point Z. Like I'll make Z happen. Right. Mm -hmm. The dragons on the on in the door on the left and they go through the door on the right. And guess what? The dragon is on the door on the right. Like, that's my jamming style. Like, yeah. I know where they want to be. But, like, they'll, like, get really interested in certain things. And I'm like, cool, now I got to come up with lore for this. And then I'll, like, come up with lore for, like, on the spot and kind of, like, ad lib and kind of go with it. And then, like, two or three sessions would be like, oh, yeah, Goblin the Boblo uh, said this. And I was like, shit, he did. He did. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, he did. And this is how it works, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or I also am bad where I will just let them like sit there and talk amongst themselves for like 10 minutes and be like, yeah, that's the new plan. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I don't that know. Like that. Yeah. This, like, GM 101, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, wow, you came up with a fucked up backstory. Ah, that is that's what happened amazing. just now. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, that's yeah. a good, that's a really good twist. Wow. The really straightforward thing I came up with is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I want to get into lore, especially because like, so I play mostly Pathfinder 2nd Edition, right? Mm -hmm. And Pathfinder has a lot of really interesting lore. But the problem is like, I am not a, I'm going to sit down and read a book kind of lore person. Like I do audiobooks, like I, I'm horribly dyslexic. Mm -hmm. And so like sitting down to read lore just sounds just like death to me, mm -hmm. right? And so uh, That's why I write it. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's like it's interesting to like I don't make up the lore until it's like while we're playing, but I love some of the lore like within systems that exist. And I, I'm like, man, I really wish I had the attention to be able to do that, like to, to sit there and read. I'm like, because it's like with Pathfinder, it, elves are aliens. Mm -hmm. Oh. Yeah. And I'm like, that's interesting. I want to know more about that. And then I'm like, I'm not going not to. Not enough to read a book, <laughs> but I would like to know more. Is there a YouTube video, perhaps? Well, and that's that's what I, like, have talked to people about. I'm like, if I had motivation to read lore, because, like, most of my motivation is to create a piece of content. Mm -hmm. And so if I have the motivation to create lore, I will sit there and read the lore. Mm -hmm. but because that then I have a goal and an objective. Like, yeah, okay, exactly. I'm going to pull this pieces of information and get this lore out of here or get this piece of information because I think that alien elves are a very weird and interesting thing. Yeah. I think other people should know about that. But like past having like a dedicated interest in something, I'm just like, there's places on a map. Like I could not tell you anything about D&D lore, even though I have played hundreds <laughs> of hours of Boulder's Gate, both mm -hmm. one, two and three. Mm -hmm. I could not tell you anything about the lore. I, I enjoy playing Baldur's Gate three. I've been like, mm. 
this this sounds like lore. This sounds like things that people who played the other games should know. I've played at least one of the other games. <laughs> it was not until Boulder's Gate three came out that I realized that the other Boulder's Gate games I'd played were about D and D. I was suddenly like, "What? Oh, 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 oh! All this connects it with the." Okay. I'm very curious. What was your first tabletop RPG game that you played? I think, like, it was in, like, junior high. I think it was some iteration D&D. We didn't play it for very long. We got bored and started playing video games in, like, 45 minutes in. So my first real playing was fourth edition Mm. when um, Stu got a group of us from the Renaissance Fair together. With like, like eight of us. People yeah, it, was so many. it grew oh, so too fast. Many it, too it, many people. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. It was one of those things where he. Especially put, before he. Oh, so long. Like eight hour combat. So we're like, wait, no. that was a thing. No, so, but like, he, it was one of those things where he invited a bunch of people and thinking a bunch of them would be like, no. And nobody said no. So, I mean, we're here now. And so I was that like, was. Why didn't I get an invite? Like, yeah. And he's like, you're in San Diego. So uh, I had to have the cut off at some point. I'm no yeah. longer in San Diego. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah, so that was the first one that I really dug in. That was the first one I like GM'd too. I eventually DM'd a couple sessions of one for that. Didn't do that again for a while. And never every like two or three years, I'm like, oh D and D, yeah. And I play in D and D. I haven't run D and D since then. And that was a long time ago. I'll say I'm more interested in playing three point five or four mm-hmm. than I am at all interested in playing five. Yeah. Like I have no interest in three, three, five, four, <laughs> two, one, AD and D basic box. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I never really liked D and D growing up. Fifth edition, I only like I'm like, oh, they really streamlined it. So I don't have like one of these games that I played, the old shit zombies crew, Tim, who was our DM, like swapped us from this basically first edition analog that like the whole entire idea of the game was we're gonna get drunk and run dungeons and be stupid and mm-hmm. i was like like it was fun and he's like no i don't think you're having fun so we're gonna switch over to and i think it was pathfinder but i had like plus 17 i'm like i'm like first or second level like why this is ridiculous i don't mm-hmm. like all of these modifiers that's 3.5 in pathfinder first yeah. edition the the high well i mean pathfinder second edition has high modifiers as well but I don't know. I feel fourth is probably, to me, fourth is more streamlined than fifth. Yeah. Because four, four was like, you have four abilities. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. You've got your anytime ability, your encounter ability, your daily, daily. ability, mm-hmm. and then like a heal. Yeah. Like, no matter what class you are, those are the four things that you could do. And that was it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like, I feel four, it was extremely streamlined. Mm-hmm. And that's what killed it. Because but it didn't play like D D. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Cause they went from 3.5, which was like Crunchzilla, mm-hmm. right? Like not not GURPS or anything like that. But it was very, very crunchy. And yeah. there was a lot of like path paths that you could go and prestige classes and like you had to build characters very hyper specific ways. And there were so many the, the the number of books were so deep that and then you go from that to you have four abilities. Mm-hmm. And you can only change them once per day. And you're just like, oh, and everyone has a heal? This feels wrong. <laughs> yeah, this feels this feels weird. And I will say fourth edition is a good, oh God, don't let my Discord hear this. Fourth edition is a good game. It is not a good Dungeons and Dragons game. Yeah. Right. That's uh, yeah. yeah. I still really love it. I think combats can get a little long. I think they needed to play test that a little bit more. But I actually credit fourth edition and I've like proselytized about this previously 
like the the popularity of D&D now with fourth edition because so many people entered the hobby like I did who were MMO players. Mm-hmm. And it was like, boom, immediately you stepped in from World of Warcraft or whatever else you played. Like we were in a raiding guild at the time, mm-hmm. all, all of us. And so I sat down and played. I was like, oh, I fucking know this. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. immediately. And That's it was one like- of the things I really liked about that was the different roles. Yeah. But other than that, I didn't play it. <laughs> right. So <laughs> my wife loved Neverwinter Nights, which was yeah. fourth edition MMO, yeah. which like she loved the hell out of that game. Yeah. She's the kind of player, though, where she's very much like, I appreciate play- her as one of my players. She, she does not give a fuck about the lore. She goes, I want to roll dice and I'm going to kill things. And I was like, <laughs> done. My husband's the absolute opposite. He does not want to kill things. He wants to have dramatic moments and dramatic scenes and like make lore. He wants to make the lore. And I'm like, yeah, okay. That's why That's why our kid's named after a tree from the Silmarillion. I get it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, there's so much I love about fourth edition. And I, I, I honestly think that's one of the things that made me try it and stick with it because it felt so comfortable right away, even though I was nervous about not knowing all the rules sure. with these people who I thought were like really knowledgeable. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Stork and Stu and all the but then like sitting down, I was like, oh, okay. And I like immediately was able to sit down that very first session and function like very well in combat with a couple of questions because it was fucking raid. Like it was like, wow. It was like yeah. what I did like when, I forget what the days were, but it was like Wednesdays and Thursdays, Thursday. Thursday, yeah. Thursday, Two or three day and nights a week, like on a schedule. Like I was there fucking raiding and then I could just add my fourth edition night to that. And it was like, this fits, this fits everything I understand. And I think that a lot of people joined in at that time who had a similar experience, who instead of going from tabletop to video games, were like me, where they were of an age where they went from video games to tabletop. Mm-hmm. Sure. And that made that transition pretty seamless for a lot of us. And then we stuck with it. Well, I mean, from my understanding, and I, this could be drastically wrong, so please tweet me about how wrong I am. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> my understanding is, is Wizard of the Coast actually has made more money from Baldur's Gate 3 than they did from both the Dungeons & Dragons movie and 5th edition. Because the like the drastic difference of of like the amount of like the audience that play video games is so much larger than the audience that play TTRPGs, mm-hmm. and having that introduction of like here's a very good and well made game because let's be honest D and D makes games a lot none of them are good <laughs> but Boulder's Great Gate was a phenomenal game and they're seeing we're hopefully the right message, which is, hey, if we actually spend time and effort and make a good game, we're going to grow our audience. Yeah. And we'll see that audience growth within, you know, TTRPG, especially since we're seeing them in Stranger Things mm-hmm. and Critical Role success and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, yeah. it's growing. It's also becoming very saturated, which is another for, for actual plays, which yeah, I find yeah. is a very interesting, hence the reason I want everyone to do better than what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Do better. What's your first game? Uh, Dungeons and Dragons, man. The first one? 1978. Like, sitting in my cousin's house, we're over there, and he goes, hey, let me show you this book. We're gonna run through, I think he ran me through a little dungeon. We were like, it was me and my brother. My sister was there too, but she was too young to like, even fathom what was going on. Mm -hmm. And like, he's like showing me the monster manual, and I'm hook, line, and sinker. And then he has me like, run through and roll some dice, and like, I was a uh, halfling thief, I remember, because I remember him going like, they're small like you, and they have hair on their feet. Are you going to have hair on your feet when you grow up? Spoiler, yes. Um, Not like Hobbit 
amount, <laughs> but Thank you, you know, a normal amount. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you can find that out on feetfinder.com. <laughs> <laughs> there are feet. There are people who, yeah. yes. Um, and yeah, and like I killed some goblins or something, and I just remember, like, I don't kind of remember the room. In fact, I visited there a couple of years ago, hadn't been back since, and like visited there a couple of years ago, and I'm like, this is the room. <laughs> this is the room where you introduced me to D&D. And he looked so embarrassed <gasps> and like ashamed. Oh. <laughs> and you should say you should. <laughs> no. Like, oh, no, I'm responsible for you. Oh. That hell game. I don't know. Oh. Oh. Yeah. So, but, well, I'm grateful he did. Me too. Yeah. yeah, I think I was DMing by the time I was 10. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know the rules, but that <laughs> didn't matter. No. Because none of my players knew or cared. Mm. I'd be like, they'd be like, roll. And it was like, that's a 13. And I'm like, yeah, sure. That sounds good. I mean, I still do that to this day. Oh, 100%. 100%. DCs made up on the spot. Yeah. Do I want them to Isn't succeed? Isn't that how that works anyway? Yes. You just make up a DC on the spot. Look, there are some soft rules that I have. Combat should only be three rounds. Yeah, combat should be three, three rounds. Four rounds. Yeah, three, four rounds if you want it to, if, if it's not feeling heavy. Like, mm-hmm. if it feels like it's going quickly with your group, four makes sense. Mm-hmm. I've even pushed it to five if it's going pretty quickly. But if there's a lot of, like, strategy or moving around or if there's a lot of enemies, mm-hmm. past three rounds, it just bogs the whole You just time. watch everybody's energy die in yeah. round four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like, I stopped caring about monster health. I keep monster damage because I want the danger to still feel there, but mm-hmm. I want them to realize like I might amp up the damage to make it so that within three rounds it feels dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. But that, and if I want them to know, I don't care what they roll. It's just a mechanism to allow them to get a piece of information. And if they roll terribly, then it's just, okay, well, who else wants to roll? <laughs> <laughs> I often just say like, no, 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 you don't need to roll. I'll even say that after the roll. If yeah. the roll's really bad, I'm like, wait, I don't know why I made you roll. You're you're a cleric. You would know religion stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Basic <laughs> religion stuff. And that's what this is. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I love like the PBTA. Like you don't actually roll unless it's gonna like matter or change something in the story. It's mm. like eh. a system that I love, 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 love is the forged in the dark system. Oh yeah. I love scum and villainy. Uh, have you ever played scum and villainy? No. So it's the not Star Wars, Star Wars, Firefly-like system. And the way that the system works is instead of, like, one, you only roll if if there's danger, right? You only roll if there's danger. It's powered off of, it's kind of similar to Powered by the Apocalypse, yeah. where you've got so many dots in an ability, and that's how many dice you roll, right? Mm. But depending on what you roll, it's like a failure, a, a success with consequences, a success, and then, like, a critical success is when you roll Oh, is that like the that's Star they, Wars game? No, the, the are you talking about the with the weird dice? No, that no, 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 no. no, no. That's Fantasy Flight. Yeah, no, that yeah. that game you can only play with an app, or at least I can only play with an app because I don't know what somebody any of the, contacted me that they wanted me to run a streaming game with oh that thing, and I watched a video on it, and my eyes crossed, and my I, brain melted out of my ears, and I was like, no, thank you. No, no, I have so th- many of those dice. I actually really like no, no, the, the dice are great, I but think I, it's a idea. Yeah, and I've heard nothing but yeah. like amazing things about the dice system because it's like you can succeed in that system with how you roll your dice, but then also have consequences or you can fail yeah. but like succeed in other aspects. It sounds like it'd be so much work for me. Yeah, it is very much, it's very much like not lore. I don't want to say lore. It's very much like 
It's it, it was storyteller. Yeah, it's very my jam. Like I was, I loved seeing like I don't love the 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 Star Wars version so much. I've talked a lot about how I did really like their L five R version mm. with it. Similar thing. The dice were a little bit different, a little more simplified, but the same basic idea with different symbols meaning different things. And I thought it tied in really well. And just me personally, I was able to look at dice and be like, this is what this means. Like I don't. It's like reading fucking tea leaves. I guess some right. people yeah. are better at it than others, but like I loved it. But also. I hated all the tables in the Star Wars version, but yeah. I, I will say there is an app that is very helpful where you just like, you, put, yeah. you click purple. <laughs> okay, I got two purples, two blacks, a white and a yellow. Yeah. And you just hit it and you go, I got a success. Yeah. Like, and the GM goes, great. Yeah. I will tell you what that means, <laughs> yeah. right? But no, the scum and villainy system is a little bit different. And the reason I like that system so much is it is kind of rules light, but it's also as a GM, I have to twist how my, my brain works. Instead of going, do you attack? What I do, what you do is you say, okay, a vorpal sword comes out and slashes towards your stomach moments before the blade hits you. You can, you imagine the blade cutting open your stomach and, and you being horribly injured. How would you like to react? Would you like to defend or would you like to try something different? Mm -hmm. And so you describe what's going to happen if they fail. Mm -hmm. And then they go, okay, well, I want to defend, aka I want to take less of that damage, or they can be like, oh, well, I want to swing my sword and cut their hand off, right? And you go, okay. Harry? Yeah, well, well <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, the thing is, is like, Seems uh, logical. well, the defense role would be like a parry, right? Mm -hmm. You'd say, I want to defend, so you would parry that, that hit, but you have a higher chance of, of not being hit, but if you decide to risk it for the biscuit, right, you decide you want to cut the arm off, if you succeed, you cut the arm off and you take no damage, versus if you succeed in the defense, you're just taking less damage. Right. Right. And so I love that aspect of that system. Also, the inventory system is great where you're just like, I'm going to go out with a light load. And it's got like three dots that are or three lines that are empty. And you don't have to choose what you pull or like what you're bringing with you until you need it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So you're just like, okay, I have three items that I'm bringing. And then you're going and you're like, wow, I really need that lock picking kit. Guess what? I brought my lock picking yeah. kit and you fill it in when you do that. I have a token that I'll give to my players at mm -hmm. our in-person game because it's kind of kind of loosey-goosey yeah. anyway. And since we like get together once a month and it's them telling me what adventure they want to do and it's like, okay, well we need to get to the adventure fast because this is not like an ongoing campaign where we can just stick around in town. Mm -hmm. I give them a little token that says, the good thing when I was in town, I remembered to dot dot dot. Yeah. And Remember to talk to an old man about that lore. Remember to get a grappling hook. Remember to buy that healing potion. And you can just kind of, you know, go back. I think uh, Blades in the Dark does something similar. Yeah, that's what it's designed to do. Because Blades in the Dark and Forge in the Dark games in general, things that are built off of that are all kind of... Uh, yeah. yeah, Forge in the Forge Dark, in the, Forge in the Dark Forge. is the system and Blades in the Dark is yeah. one of the games based off of the system. Like Apocalypse World. See, that all makes sense. And then Powered by the Apocalypse of people who use that same engine. Yeah. So and it's all kind of one tree. It's like powered by the apocalypse, and then it branched off into the forged and the dark systems, which are more crunchy, and then the belonging outside belonging games, which are less crunchy. So it's all kind of one family of games that generally have moves of some type. That's like the thing that kind of like works together. Most of them have some type of playbook, and then degrees of success. So like the results, I, I don't remember for. I haven't played a ton of Forged in the Dark. It's not my bag, baby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, as we like to say, it's a little bit like PBTA with a hat. <laughs> it's amazing if you want to do like, like a heist game. Like mm -hmm. amazing for that. But in a lot of other things, it's I 
like there's so many amazing aspects to it that I really love mechanically. And it just starts to feel like too many mechanics. And it's like, I wish, and a lot of people run it like they kind of like leave out certain things. Oh, yeah. Because there's like so many options. It kind of feels like the Cortex games where it's like, they wanted you to do that, which also feels weird to me. Like Cortex, like the Cortex Prime games. Like it's like, here's all the options of mechanics you can use. You pick the ones that work for you. Kind of like there's like different options. And it's a little bit like, okay, but I, I want, I came to, it's not pizza toppings. Like I want, just give me my game. <laughs> oh, yeah. see, see, you and I are opposite. Because, <laughs> oh, yeah. So like Pathfinder 2nd Edition, is, it, okay. Pathfinder 2nd Edition is very much like that. It's mm-hmm. a 600 page book yeah. that has a metric fuck ton of rules, right? Yeah. And the way I play it, and the reason I like, like people are like, why do you like Pathfinder? Do you do you need so much easier? <laughs> right. And, and the reason I tell what I tell them is like, when I play Pathfinder 2nd Edition, I play it the same way I play D&D, where we are playing a game, they're the base rules of the system, mm-hmm. and we play that. And then if a player is interested in something, like I have a player that's really, really interested in wrestling, mm-hmm. right? And so now I then go, okay, great. We're going to bring the grappling rules into the system and we're going to look at them versus a system that doesn't necessarily have grappling rules in it. Right. I have to make them up, yeah. right? And they might work for a session or two and then inevitably the player is going to figure out how to completely manipulate them in a way that's going to ruin the game for everyone. Mm-hmm. And so the reason I like having the pizza toppings is today I want cheese, right? <laughs> and cheese pizza is totally fine. But when I have a player that wants pepperoni, I have the option to put pepperoni versus having to go into my fridge and figure out how to make pepperoni, right? <laughs> okay. And that's what I really like about it. And that's why it was, because everyone's like, oh, Pathfinder second is just so crunchy. There's too many rules. Like you don't need to pay attention to 99% of the rules yeah. unless you're interested in it. Like there's a system in Pathfinder about squeezing yeah. There's a squeeze mechanic, <laughs> not squeezing like you're hugging someone, as in you're squeezing between oh, like a wall. Like a lemon? No, 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 no. <laughs> like you're, you're trying to juicing something? Yeah, yeah, you you are the so lemon. Crazy. You're the lemon and the wall is the juicer. <laughs> but yeah, and I'm like, look, I have no interest. I have zero interest in the squeeze mechanic, right? But there are players that I have had that are like, no, I want to see. Like, I want to go down the that feet tree and, like, be able to squeeze into, like, a two-inch pipe. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? Good for you. <laughs> and there is a system that I can look at to use, use that if mm-hmm. I have players that are interested in that. And I feel like it opens up freedom for the player to choose what things that they're interested in. And having rules that exist, that have been tested by the manufacturer mm-hmm. of this isn't going to break the game, mm-hmm. right? Versus me going, okay, all right, you want to squeeze into a two-inch pipe. All right, okay, all right, so... Uh, I have how a we're... system for that. It's called no. Yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> which, which is fine. Which is, no isn't a legitimate answer that GMs should feel comfortable doing, yeah. right? But that being said, as someone that wants to be a wrestler and wants to play it, yeah. like that... That, on the other hand. Yeah. See, that's when I would just be like, oh, okay, so we're going to play Worldwide Wrestling, which is a PBTA game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Because <laughs> there's a hack for that somewhere. <laughs> yeah. If you play 5e, look at the back of the Dungeon Master's Guide. There are a bunch of optional rules yep. and really cool stuff back there. Like, for everybody always wants to jump on a monster that's bigger than them, there's rules for that. Yeah. And we use them all the time, and it's awesome! So, have any of you played? I know I'm getting us way off. The track. That's fine. Uh, we have emails. We'll get some eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Nobody has a bedtime, time. right? No. no. Yeah, I'm fucking miserable. No. Um, <laughs> have any of you played? Okay, I know. When I go back to Dungeons, right? Have any played the alternative initiative 
option for Dungeons and Dragons, where depending on what actions you want to do, depend on what dice you roll, and you roll at the beginning of each turn. I have heard of that. I but, feel like I played yeah. that one time. I played a couple different things, but like I thought that was like it's honestly a, homebrewed. I didn't realize no. that was like an actual thing. So Crawford actually was the one that came up with it and mm-hmm. like introduced it. It's very interesting. It's very cool. Not great for stream. It's garbage for stream. <laughs> Home games, it's very cool because like everyone's like strategizing between. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a home game, it's really good because everyone's more cohesive in that. They're like, okay, well, I'm going to go for the door. So that's like, that means I'm going to move. So that's a D6 mm-hmm. and I'm going to interact with the door. So that's a D4. So I'm going to roll a D6 and a D4 for my initiative. What are you going to do? Oh, you're going to cast a spell. Okay, that's a D8 and you're not going to move. Okay, and you're going to move and attack. So that's a, a D6 and a, a D10 or whatever. I can't remember what it was. Mm-hmm. But you roll initiative each round and the lowest number goes first all the way to the end. Oh, okay. So that's just like Wild Talent or very similar to Wild Talent. So this is my favorite combat system of any game ever, like to this day. Wild Talents is the one roll engine. It's this like little known like game. Mm-hmm. Basically, everyone declares what they're going to do in sense or like in, if you have lower sense, you have to say what you're doing first. And then everyone goes around and says what they're doing because then the people who have the most like sense, which is like kind of your know what's going to happen get to hear what everyone else says. Yeah. So they have more planning time. And then everyone rolls at the same time. And then the results on the die determine what actions hit first. And I just, I love the fucking chaos of it. It's so good. And it goes really fast. Yeah, it's fun. And <laughs> yeah, it's wild. wild it's talents. wild talents. Yeah. Yeah. I find it very interesting. But yeah, it's terrible for stream. Do not, I, <laughs> I, I mean, go for it if you want to. But it's like yeah. trying to have your audience pay attention. Like, your audience doesn't want to watch you do math, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, that's why a lot of D and D is more successful. I feel is because there's a lot less math in it. Mm-hmm. It's like I got to roll a D twenty and add a max of five to it, right? Yeah. And you're just that's your turn, right? Mm-hmm. Versus other systems where you're there's like it's more like with Powered by the Apocalypse, it's low numbers, but it's it's very like soft in like what they mean, and so like the GM has to like come up with meanings every single roll versus like in D&D, you roll a dice and you go, okay, I hit because this is the number and this is how much damage I do versus in like Powered by Apocalypse. It's like, okay, you succeed, which means that this thing happens and you have to like describe the action of of, of what what happened. Mm -hmm. I love Powered by the Apocalypse. Have you seen the candle, whatever that Critical Role just is like releasing? A little. It is definitely powered by the apocalypse yeah. system. <laughs> I was supposed to be on a stream playing it. Mm-hmm. And then my kid decided to be a dick. Get born. Uh, and be born. <sighs> what a jerk. Already screwing everything up. No joke. I, I was joking about this because when my kid was getting like scanned, we had to go to the doctor like three or four times because they could not get a scan of him well enough because he oh, kept yeah. moving so much. They're yeah. like, we can't count his fingers. We can't count his toes. We don't, we think he's got two eyes. Because he just was moving constantly so much. And I was like, oh, he's like that disco baby gift. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally like, this kid's not even born and he's already a pain in my ass. Uh, oh, man. Is that, was that like the 3D scan? No, it was the just, regular ones? It was just oh. an ultrasound. Yeah. It was just an ultrasound that they were trying to like make sure everything, make sure his kidney was fine, make sure his heart was fine. And yeah. it was like, I had to go into a special heart baby ultrasound specialist because they couldn't scan his heart. And I'm just like, <laughs> <That's racist. laughs> but uh, yes, a Kendall Obscura. Obscura, Obscura. Yeah. 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 So it's very much powered by the, I run to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
it's very much powered by the apocalypse like system. Yeah. Where it's like number of points that you have. You yeah. that's how many D6 you roll. Yeah. And that's not surprising because Spencer has been designing Powered by the Apocalypse stuff for a while. Spencer Stark and is a big fan of the Powered by the Apocalypse family of games. And Spencer is yeah. a, a very nice person. Have you ever met Spencer? Oh yeah. Yeah. Spencer's so Spencer great. Well. Yeah. I got to meet Spencer at Gen Con before COVID. And Spencer and Bria and myself. I'm sorry. Now, who's a Bria? Yeah, I don't. She's a real unknown streamer. She like no one knows who she is. No. But we stayed up until like 4 a.m. playing a game that Spencer had made. Yeah. And that was like the year that. Is that the Young Blade? No, 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 it no, never okay. came out. Yeah. It never came out. No, yeah, no, that one didn't come out either. That's one of the ones he was... It was like ghosting. Ember something. I oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I cannot remember the it's name. Okay. I'm not going to remember it's something okay. from four years ago. Right. But yeah, it played until like 3 a.m., mm-hmm. 4 a.m. playing a game at Gen Con with Spencer, and mm-hmm. he's a very, very good guy. Uh, he was at Gen Con, or not Gen Con, uh, Big Bang Big Con. Con. Yeah, 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 I saw him. It was good. But yeah, good, good system. I have had many bad Powered by the Apocalypse games, though. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of hacks out there that aren't great. And that's the problem. There's games that really break it down, but there's so many different hacks of it now, some of which really miss the mark. And as someone who spent the last three years designing a Powered by the Apocalypse game, like I've really thought about a lot of those mechanics and like the exact things. And like if you have moves that, there's, that aren't triggered clearly and then or then are worded badly, so you're not sure exactly when the, they they go into play, then it can get really mushy. And then if there's not like a good... You, most moves have like some sort of option listed. If there's not enough of that there, then it puts way too much on the GM to have to constantly be narrating and coming up with stuff. And yeah, I mean, it's one of those systems that everybody has a version of and everybody has a take on it. And it's like some of them are incredible and doing really groundbreaking things. Some of them are fine that have one really amazing thing about them and then there's a lot that are just like mediocre basically reskins of masks or something that just like don't go well and they're like okay or fine so and that's the same sort of, I, that's my take too with like forge in the dark systems like blades in the dark like awesome for what it does like it does what it was meant to do so well yeah and then scum and villainy works well in that vein too because it's very similar it's like scum and villainy they're pulling off crimes and stuff and then there's a bunch of other things that have tried to like use that system to like less effect because they didn't really look at the system and see, okay, what it's like looking at a car. Like I, I love cars. So it's like, okay, I got a 67 Mustang. Okay. I'm going to pull this trailer with it. I'm sorry. You're what? <laughs> like that's not what that, I mean, you can, yeah, but why would you do that? Like, I, I feel like both, like Blades in the Dark System and Powered by Apocalypse, it's really hard to do, and correct me if you've ever done it, but it's very hard to do like a long-running campaign on both of those systems. Yeah. Like it, after like four sessions, you're like, cool, you're like gods now in this game. <laughs> yeah. And they're designed that way. Yeah, yeah, which is totally fine, but it, kind of like the conversation, like you're not trail, you're not hooking up a, an RV to your Mustang. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and that's how I feel about those systems. It's like, those are great for one shots or like a, a home game, like here and there or, mm-hmm. or a stream game here and there. But it's never like, okay, we're going to play 10 sessions of this game. And you're just like, we are? Yeah. <laughs> are we though? Yeah. Are we though? And, yeah. Well, and that's a design choice by a lot of them. Uh, Stone Top, which is one that is in development. Unfortunately, the designer ran into some health problems, so it slowed down development. 
and the one I'm making, Starscape, we're like really like purposely looking at that piece. And like like leveling up is a lot slower in Starscape. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of other things that you can do in it because I wanted that long form play because it's about the drama between like crew members on a ship, like long form, like Firefly or Star Trek sure. or Farscape or whatever it is. So like the longer that goes, like the more meat there is and more history between those characters to like play off of. So having like a quick like mask session where it's made to burn hot and bright because you're teenagers, I didn't want that. So like slowing it down, requiring more XP before you get to pick an advancement, things like that, where it just like cools that a little bit and draws it out is something that a lot of PBTA games haven't spent time thinking about. A lot of hacks, either because they wanted something that was shorter form or because they just copied what they'd seen before and been like, okay, this is, you get five XP and, you know, and then you get to pick an advancement. Oh, we'll have the exact same number of advancements as masks or whatever it is, because it seems like masks is the one everybody copies. So that sort of thing. And I feel like that's what happens is there's a kind of a copy paste that happens with any kind of newer system like Forge in the Dark or Power by the Apocalypse when it's like the new hotness. Belonging outside belonging had a bunch of them for a while or the no dice, no masters is the other thing they call. And people kind of like copy paste and then just like reskin it with what they want to do. And it doesn't always translate well. It doesn't, it doesn't always capture the vibe well because you have to spend a lot of time like with real intentional design choices. Like, is this capturing it? And play testing the fuck out of it like 800 million times until you were so sick of running that game. You don't want to <laughs> run it anymore. But you're like, okay, okay. Oh no, that vibe is almost right. Okay, let's tweak these things and can't see if it clicks. But yeah, sorry. This is the thing I, I totally want to play Starscape though. Thanks. Just getting up here is always interesting. Yeah, that's fine. that's fine. Did you just apologize by talking about games? Isn't that what we're here for? <laughs> I know, but <laughs> talking about designing games specifically, like Powered by the Apocalypse types of games is like a thing that I'm like, ruminating on a lot sure. like i just released like 4.0 of the beta of my game get it it's on gold nasa games for pay what you will right now so it's like i finished the feedback form and i'm like trying to like process the feedback i'm getting from it and all these things so it's like on my mind a lot so i, I felt like i just went down like a bit of a rabbit hole there <laughs> no no i'm loving hearing because i'm working on my well let me rephrase it I have worked on many systems. Mm-hmm. I have never gotten to the point of, of making a system where I'm like, I want other people to see this. Uh-huh. And so I am at the point of my, the first system I am working on that I want people to see. We're about to start doing my, the base system, like, does this even make sense? Like, or is this just a brain child thing that like only makes sense to me? We're about to start that. So I, I find the conversation interesting, yeah. right? Because it's like, okay, but like hearing from other developers, because you don't, like you don't hear a lot from like system developers, mm-hmm. right? And I always find that, that that very interesting. Yeah. And a lot of people have a very, they don't have a sense of how things are going to land in a game. So I find it very difficult sometimes to deal with other people's homebrew. Well, yeah. You're great. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm not homebrewing any systems you know well enough to be like, oh, is that a homebrew? <laughs> no, but I know you're really fucking smart. So <laughs> oh. I also play test shit. Mm-hmm. Like that's I feel like that's the biggest thing with like indie games. And I get a lot of people don't have the opportunities, but I just go to fucking every con I can and I run it for a bunch of strangers as often as I can, because that's where you're gonna get the best feedback. I run it for friends too. Yeah. And as much as I love you all you don't give as good a feedback as a bunch of strangers. Mm-hmm. And like just seeing someone stare blankly at your character sheet and be like, I don't know what this means. Then you're like, 
I'm going to make a note of that. <laughs> well, I, I'm interested because one of the things that I am adamant about with this playtest is I'm going to playtest it with a, peop- a bunch of people that I want to be GMs for <laughs> it so that I can run, run it and go, okay, these are, maybe these are some things that I'm missing. And then the plan is, is to hand the game over to them for them to run their own groups. Because my problem with playtesting a game is that, one, I know the system, how I want it to be in my head. So if they have a question, I can just answer it or I can just like move around it. But if a GM that doesn't, that, that gets the, the quick guide, right? And I hand them, this is the base rules. And they go, hey, you're missing, like my players asked this. And I go, oh, I didn't put that in here. Mm-hmm. And that that's really important to me is mm-hmm. like, that's like, I'm doing two rounds of playtests, so one where I'm GM, I'm jamming, and then I'm updating the play, uh, quick guide, and then I'm handing it over to, I think, four GMs to run their uh, groups individually, just a single session, and then just getting a feedback. And that's just the base, because it's not, as far as I'm aware, it's not a hack of a system. Mm-hmm. It's its own dice system. Yeah. And so I'm trying to make sure that, like, it, one, the two things I'm trying to make sure is, one, is it fun? And two, does it make sense? Yeah. Right? It's not like convoluted. It's not like 5,000 rules just to make one dice roll, right? Yeah. The idea is like, I want it to be simple and easy if you go this and this, great. Okay, that's what I'm doing in this situation. Mm-hmm. But then also, is that fun or is that just boring? So I find it interesting. Yeah. I can't see. Well, and it's so hard too, because I'm, I, I mean, like I am a wild perfectionist. So it's like after three years of playtesting my game, I'm just now getting to the point where I'm starting to build that quick start and like, going to hand it off to other GMs. And it's one of those things where at first I know I'm going to get feedback that is about the, the quick start that I give them. It's like, oh, this wasn't in this. Oh, okay. This is how you get like, so there's like a whole round of feedback that will be just me perfecting those like canned adventures that sure. I'm passing out to people sure, and not any actual feedback on the system at all. And then like, okay, so it, it's so interesting and like the scientific pieces behind gathering accurate feedback and people don't like answering questions. So it's like, okay, put it on a scale of one to six. That way they can't pick the middle one because they'll always fucking pick the middle <laughs> one. And if there's not a middle one, they'll either have to be a little bit good or a little bit bad. And it's just like all those things that actually make my master's degree come in handy. <laughs> master's degree in education. There you go. I know how to ask questions really well. But uh, yeah, so yeah, it's always always fun and wild. All right, we really do need to read emails. Yes, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. We've been talking for like an hour. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, mailbag number one. Usually I'm like, I don't want to read the first one because I've been the only person talking, but I feel like we've all been talking. <laughs> oh no, oh, no. A, gr- a group that's willing to talk We're with talking each other? on a podcast? What? Does anyone want to read the first one? I can do it. If we it want. feels long. I mean, I could do it. Oh, you sweet summer child. Yeah. Oh, it's no, your no, first no. time remember, on the show. Remember, remember what I said about not reading? No, absolutely. No, absolutely. no problem. And if you don't want to read, that's totally okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. This was, this is what I went to school for. Is reading out loud? <laughs> Radio broadcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. there you go. <laughs> I took oral interpretation of children's literature, oh. which is reading things out loud. <laughs> Technical theater, uh, lighting, yeah, and, and lighting and sound. Nice. So. <laughs> um, all right, I'll do the first one. All right. all right, mailbag number one. Hello, Happy Jacks. I had the same thing happen twice when I was asked for feedback about a game in a very different context, and I thought it might make for an interesting discussion. What makes an RPG session feel like a non-linear story? Years ago, after our first session of Trail of Cthulhu, the gumshoe version of 1930s investigators against Cthulhu mythos, 
One of my players said that he felt the scenario was very linear. They went from A to B to C in an obvious way. I found that interesting because I had a collection of places for them to go and things that to do that could have played out very differently if they had made different choices. But from their perspective, it was a very linear story. This year, after I ran a game for Big Bad Con, woohoo! I followed up with the players for feedback and got the same answer. The scenario felt linear. It was fun and a con scenario, so some linearity was to be expected. Linearity, that's good. This game, I completely made up in response to the players' decisions and actions. I had a couple scenes for inspiration, but ended up using only three of them, and the rest were improvised on the spot. So what makes a scenario feel linear, and what makes it feel non-linear? Should we avoid linear scenarios? And at what point is a scenario too linear? And to be clear, I'm not talking about railroad scenarios where player choices don't matter. It was great to meet, however briefly, Kurt, Moe, Davi, Kadev, Jason, and Kimmy at Big BagCon. Thank you for years of entertainment and for many more years to come. Toby on the Discord. Good question, Toby. Thank you. That was very radio. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's got the voice. <laughs> well, congratulations. If it's linear, you're running an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> Adventures are, by definition, linear storytelling. Yeah, I don't know if that's bad. I don't think it's necessarily bad, but I think maybe what they're sent, what they're honing in on is the obvious choices worked. Predictability. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look for the note behind the note, as they say in the screenwriting industry. In the biz. In the biz. Yeah. I mean, throw in some more twists with anything that might be anywhere they might go. Throw in a little twist, I guess. That's it. Moving on. <laughs> I will give a very, what I feel is a very obvious answer, which is uh, allow for there to be dead ends. Right? So like, if you are playing off of what they're doing, be like, we're talking about Cthulhu and we're talking about Gumshoe. It's like, oh, well, 1930, you're like, oh, well, there's a speakeasy over here. And then there's also this thing that's over here. Well, you and your head, we were talking e- earlier where I, I said the dragon's always behind door A, but they decided to go to door B. I only do that in games where I'm like, okay, we have to hurry this up, right? Mm -hmm. But sometimes if I know the dragon's in A and they go to B, it's just a dead end. They go there, they have something that happens, but inevitably... It's a cave-in! Yeah, at the end of the day, they go to the the tavern when they thought that they were going to get information, but it's really the the laundromat that I was trying to get them to go to. And they go to that place and they find nothing. They're like, allow them to investigate. Maybe they get a clue, but it's oh man, we should have gone to the laundromat. That was the right choice. That to me allows it to be a little bit less linear. It's also dependent on your time restraints, right? Yeah, like, like at a, for a con, a con game, con? oh man, that, that's got to be That's your goal linear. is to be linear. Yeah. Give them the obvious answer so they can roll dice and play the game. Like dead ends aren't necessarily fun when they take away from your gameplay. But if you're at home and you're playing you know, a long-running campaign, sometimes dead ends are, are great. And that's what allows you to have a non-linear storytelling aspect versus a con. I don't think you should feel bad. I mean, they didn't say they felt bad, but I would say like at a con, good. If I'm going to a game and I'm playing and I only have like two or three hours to play a game at a con, I want to hit my goal. I yeah. want to kill the dragon. I want to kill the Cthulhu. I want to defeat the thing, right? If I'm playing and we keep having dead ends or, or we can't figure out the puzzle, that, that's gonna make me sad. <laughs> yeah. I think, well, for me, the note behind the note is nothing felt surprising. True, no, yeah. nothing felt like I was caught off guard or, or interested. 
So I think there's a difference between a linear story, which is something you absolutely want, even if you're making it up on the spot, you still want things to feel linear. Like they make sense. I think having things not feel surprising though, feeling predictable, then that that becomes boring. I mean, that's sure. boring. So I'm not saying your game is boring, but reading from what you wrote, it feels like that might, then, might be something you're suspecting that they felt. Just assuming, sorry. I would say in that case, even in con games, the, the big trick is to pull in things from the character stories. Like whatever they make, whether you're, di- even if you have pregens, they should be doing some sort of like customization or adding a backstory or a little bit of something there. So like in your story, make sure you're pulling those elements in because those are the things that they know you couldn't plan for because they came up with them. And that's mm-hmm. what makes it feel like customized for them. And it's like their name on the shirt or whatever it is. Like, okay, it's my bathrobe, but it's got my name yeah. on it. Like whatever it is, I always do metaphors. You did great with the pizza metaphor, by the oh, way. Yeah, you like put awesome. that and ran. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> But I think that's really, really important. And even if you're doing a bunch of pre-planning for a con game, which is the majority of what I run, you can have like, okay, this is going to be a PC that is going to be somebody's family member. It's somebody that they've trusted. So you, you, can, you can skin these like nebulous trusted PC with somebody from someone's backstory. Even if, so if you're more of a planner GM than I am, you can do that really easily. And it makes it feel very custom to them. And they feel like, oh, okay, wow, this, this is like happening right now. This hasn't been something that, this is not a con game that's been run 800 times, even if you have run it 800 times. Because it's like, this is a detail that I came up with 20 minutes ago. And it's mattering in this game. Yeah, one of the other things I was going to say, give information, not options. Mm. Where So don't say like, you might want to go to the laundromat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, and I mean, you may do this already. And now I'm struggling to find like a good, way to illustrate this of like don't like you walk in and there's two doors what do you do instead of being like do you go to the door on the left i don't know i'm trying to help you because maybe if we go off of the laundromat and the uh speakeasy you know you'd be like you can talk about you know them finding the clothes that has the laundromat's tag inside of it you're giving them information but you say it's stained with an alcohol. That, yeah, it's that, stained with beer, but it also has this thing. That's perfect. Yeah, because then you're giving them the information of like, oh, like you're not saying, so you can go check the laundromat or the speakeasy. You go, you give them the information that that there was alcohol and that there's a, a tag for a dry cleaner. And then they get to argue amongst themselves, which yeah. is the best because I don't have to do anything. Yeah, that's actually a really good, that's a really great uh, like example mm-hmm. of information, not options. Mm-hmm. That is a really good way of saying that to kind of bring it into math, it's also like solving for X, right? Like mm-hmm. they get two and they get three, but they don't know what X is, right? Mm-hmm. And so they have to solve two plus X equals three and giving that information, they, you're giving the information, you're not giving them the options. Mm-hmm. I love that metaphor so much. I'm feeling that forever. <laughs> and then they can go to the speakeasy and find out it's a dead end. Yeah. Something that we about. <laughs> well, and you can put, fill in so and much stuff the there. Like, it's like, okay, two plus blank equals seven. Yeah. And or and they could do one plus one plus one plus one. They could do, like, whatever they want to do. One plus two plus one plus one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One plus they, one plus two plus exactly. one. Exactly. So <laughs> it's like, it's so they're all going to start here. They're all going to get there. And whatever they do in between is their choice. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. like, 
every group is going to think about it differently. And as someone who teaches Common Core Math, I really love the options. Yeah. <laughs> so cool, like and all then, the different ways of doing it. And then they're going to come up with some weird way yeah. and some crazy lie that they feel like they have to... Yeah. They're going to draw pictures. Yeah. And they have to like, like, oh, well, let's go into the laundromat. But I'm going to say that I'm from the Himalayas. And you're like, why? Why not go in and go, hey, we found the shirt. Yeah. (laughs) My my group recently went to this place that they were like, they got a message saying like, hey, meet this underworld guy here. And they went in there like all in disguise Mm -hmm. and everything. And there's like this old dwarf couple running the thing. And they're like sitting around. They're like, I don't see him anywhere everything and then they do something one of the guys <laughs> found a secret path and then suddenly the old dwarf couple like pulled out weapons and stuff they're like whoa no no no! we're supposed to meet this guy and they're like oh well we've been waiting for you why didn't you say so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have a player that that we will come up with an entire story of like we're gonna go and we're gonna do xyz and we're gonna get there and we come up with this plan and then like they'll go okay great i don't want to do any of that so I'm going to, and I'm like, we sat down for hours. Oh, no. Hours coming up with this plan. <laughs> I'm like, what made you decide to make this change? And they were like, well, there was like that character that was wearing white. And so because they were wearing white, I decided that was a bad plan. I'm like, that's why I just don't give them time to plan. Like, I'm a player. I'm a player. We yeah. came up with a plan to get there. No. Yeah, No. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what to do anymore. Yeah. I don't, I, we had a plan. You have left us. I don't know what to do anymore. <laughs> I don't know what to do anymore. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. But I think kind of like bringing it back, I think one, definitely, I love that you both pointed out the difference between a convention game and like a home game because there is a definite difference. Huge difference. And I am a very improv GM. I don't plan almost anything ever, even for con games now. But you want that linear story. And sometimes you have to be a bit railroady. And especially you have to be like, okay, guys, if you want the adventure, this is the way. Yeah. Or, <laughs> okay. And the space fires attack you right now. Mm-hmm. And that's just what's going to happen because <laughs> that's how that happens. <laughs> yeah. When, you, when you've been playing for an hour and a half and you look down and realize that your time allotted is ending in 30 minutes and they have not even found the second clue, you're like, <laughs> Well, all right, Cthulhu yeah. shows up. Time for a clue by four, and here you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so again, like, I don't think linear is a bad thing. It's a great thing. Mm-hmm. If you are improving and you're making up these stories as you go, and it feels pre-planned, that's an accomplishment. That's fucking awesome. Like, you're doing a great and incredible thing. You might just be doing it a little too well. It's like, there's like those things where it's like, it's the reason, like, close-up magic isn't impressive on, like, television. It's like, when you're there in person, you know that you're seeing everything, and you know that, like, oh, you're not really faking or getting away with anything. Or on like, t- I'm not even gonna blink. Yeah, and, like, on TV, it's like, well, they could fucking be hiding that any... What's yeah, like, there was a cut. Yeah, a green screen, <laughs> who knows? Like, like, there's something, like, you want to see a little bit of the human element there in it, in your GMing. So if you were fe- making it feel like a linear like a to b to c that's great especially if you're making it up don't do it quite so well yeah be like hmm okay let's do a bathroom break right now i need to think a little bit even if you know what you're gonna do (laughs) and then like come back in a few moments and then be like okay all right i know where we're going from here and like and then look at the what you would take your your first instinct and then go like this is how this would normally go down 
and go, how can I subvert that? Mm-hmm. How can I make that somehow the opposite or yep. heart wrenching or yeah, weird? Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, good job. Good on you. I'm proud of you. Well done, Toby. I'm, yeah. I'm proud of you. Like improv GM Padua. I, I appreciate you. And it was great meeting you. Super yeah. cool. Yay. Big bad con. It was great to like Jake and I had also been like internet friends and like chatting on discord for a super long time. And like, oh my God, it was like night and I was like sort of drunk. You like it, like you do. And I, guess, <laughs> well, I was sober and I thought I saw you and I was like, I don't want to be awkward and be like, <laughs> hey. And then this random person be like, hey. hey. <laughs> and so I was like, I was like, hey, are you up on the, the yeah. this area? <laughs> this Discord DM, I'm like, hey, are you here? Is that you? It's <laughs> coming out. I was like literally two tables over. Yeah. <laughs> that was like 90% of Big Bad Con is like, is that that per- I don't know. We're Twitter merchants. We talk a lot. I don't know. Hey. That's how I always feel like conventions because I, yeah. I always feel weird about like going up to someone that I've interacted with mm-hmm. only on a digital space. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like a Zoom call or like on a stream, but yeah. like, oh, we've talked in Twitter DMs or we've talked in Discord or whatever. Yeah. Like, I always feel weird walking up to them and be like, hey, it's me, J- DM Jake yeah. on Discord. What's up? And then they're like, hey, I don't want to talk to you. You know, like, like <laughs> being like being in a digital format, especially text-based format, it's very different than being in person. And, yeah. and, and I just don't want people to be like, fuck, I didn't want to see you. Yeah. <laughs> fuck, I didn't want to see you. But I invited you to my studio. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, obviously it went well. Huh? Are we ready for mailbag two? Mailbag two. Mailbag two. I'll take this one. Do it. Unless you want. No, no, no. You uh, you already volunteered. Greetings, jackals. I heed the clarion call for emails. Uh, My group rotates GMs after each campaign. After we finish Curse of Strahd, my turn will be soon. I've had a game lodged in my brain since I first read the book Nova Praxis. It's pretty much hard sci-fi with some hypertech for that magic feel. My plan is to run the pre-made intro adventure first, then afterwards start mixing in some mythos nonsense with old one-style aliens, cults, psychic powers, etc. I am afraid this could be felt as a bait-and-switch, but I want the players to be in the dark when they start encountering the weird. My two questions. First, how would you recommend setting this up? Could I be transparent with my plans at session zero? Or let the players go in blind. Second, how do you all go about finding the balance when mixing genres? Keep doing your great works. Regards, Tanner, Fuzzy Boff on the Discord's obligatory PS. Yeah. Yeah. That's the end. Yeah. No, no one has an answer though. So next nope. email. Next. Uh, no. <laughs> no, I have very strong feelings about that. Oh, do you? No. Yeah, because once upon a time, we spent weeks coming up with characters we made three characters each because there was going to be a high chance of death mm-hmm. for an old west campaign and we were all very much looking forward to it and then the first one i think i killed somebody for a bounty and then they came back to life and then there were werewolves and stuff and i was so angry oh. they, that was totally the bait and switch like we wanted a typical old west campaign and that's what it was sold to us as mm. and when suddenly it was like werewolves and zombies and vampires it was like well this isn't what i wanted to play yeah also especially if you're like set i've heard these horror stories of like okay this is the setting and people build a character that makes sense for that setting but then immediately session 1 remove them completely from that setting and it's like well 
my character was meant to be able to climb the mountains and be able to be in cold weather. And you put us in a desert, like, yeah. and it's like, none of my abilities are helpful or useful. I, to me, I think that in session one, I wouldn't give away the secrets, but I would definitely be, I want to introduce weird aspects as we go further in. Maybe you're not going to say what those weird aspects are, yeah. but just say, this is what we're going to do. And I want to start introducing maybe culty or like, more magical things into the world that you will, as a player, have options to interact with. Yeah, and you can give general vibe of the stuff that you want to do and then say, are you comfortable with that or would you like to know more? And if they're like, I don't know, surprise me, I'm cool, then you can stop there. But sometimes people might go, no, 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 I need to know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so, and then you just, you can just slowly give them more information. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I feel like the thing that I keep going back to is the fact that I know I have built characters to work in a very specific way, or we are going back to a, a player wanting to play a character that can squeeze in the things, right? We're like, as a joke. I, but the thing is, is like, if I build a character and I have these abilities, I want to use them. Like I, I'm building this character to do these things. And if they somehow, the game that you're playing is not what you are expecting it to be, that kind of hurts the player in the sense that they don't get to show off what they want to show off with their character. Mm -hmm. yeah. So while they may not necessarily like the sci-fi aspect that they're talking about bringing into it and like cults and stuff like that might not necessarily affect their player, but it session zero is there for a reason, right? Yeah. Like mm -hmm. the things that you talk about in session zero aren't necessarily supposed to be used in the game. Like they can be of like, Oh, we're now brothers or we're now related or we've adventured and, so now we have this relationship that can be used, but talking about like the general direction of the campaign, that should be something that as you play, you are, you know, the direction you're going towards, but not necessarily going, oh, well, because we know that we have to fight this thing that we don't know about, like that's the session zero is supposed to be there. For and you can also be like, that's not going to be useful in this mm -hmm. campaign. I'm just going to come out and say, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. But you yeah. should do that. You should not, especially if in your like, a point by system or something like that. Oh, it's the worst. If you're in a point by system and you end up buying something or and spending a bunch of points on something that ends up being completely irrelevant and not used. Mm -hmm. It's like the most frustrating thing. Now, Jason did this recently with Pinnacles, our Wild Talents AP. Like he had like a weird hey, idea. Which yeah. usually plays on Sundays at... <laughs> Two-ish. Two-ish. <laughs> I love I loved that. I love that. Uh, That's why I'm here. For schedules for everybody. Oh, see, I'm running I a game. I only play in that game. See, <laughs> I'm the GM of a game uh, that we're pre-recording right now. And every single episode, right when we start, I'm like, and this is, what is the name of the show that I just... <laughs> yeah, I'm starting doing an advice show. And I keep going like, hi, I'm John Ingian. This is... Yeah. <laughs> Where's my logo? Yeah. Yeah. We just do everything live. So every single episode or every single session of Unsung Tales is like, and this is session somebody. And then someone would say it. I'm like, yeah, that. That's what we're playing. It's great. So good. We end up with lots of session. But Jason did this as your GM. Like he had this weird idea, which I honestly I'm not sure how like I'm I'm way behind on listening. Yeah. So I haven't finished the first session yet. But like he had this weird idea, which he gave to me, he pitched it to me. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. Cool. Make sure everyone's okay with it. So like, how did he pitch it to you without like, did he spoil the surprise? Did he tell you what the thing was? Or what, I think he did like what you suggested where he's more like, okay, this is going to be, you're making characters for this. 
there's going to be a bigger premise. It's going to be a little wild and out there and a little strange. Um, I think are it you was up that? For it? Yeah, it was like this is going to be like Daredevil-y style, like street level supers. Yeah, supers. And then it's going to grow into something else. And I was like, yeah, I don't have to tell me anything else. That's cool. I'm on yeah. board for whatever. <laughs> also, like, if you have some hint about what's going to happen mm-hmm. and allow your, especially in a point by system where, like, maybe they have, if they do spend a point or two in something that might be useful in the future, yeah. it makes each of those players feel unique or, like, specially chosen to deal with this, this thing. It's like, it wasn't by happenstance. They happen to have read books about this deity in the past, mm-hmm. and this is what a lot like it was meant to be. You mm-hmm. you feel like the superhero. You feel like the chosen one. Yeah, because mm-hmm. we play these games for a bit of a power fantasy and to feel uh-huh. like the hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like the, the helpless, villain. whatever. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I I'm not a fan of like secrets at the table. I love when like everyone's like, oh, I'm feeling this right now towards this person because like I feel like there's like a little bit of. Like, okay, everyone metagames a little bit, but I feel like you should trust the people at your table enough to like... Good metagaming and bad metagaming. And I think that's good metagaming. Absolutely. And you should, if you're playing with people that you think are going to take those like table secrets and like run with it and play in bad faith, then don't play with those fucking assholes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just don't. Like, why would you spend your time with them? Like, I get some people live in like a place where they don't have a lot of options, but the internet happens and it (laughs) exists now. Come play on game days on November 4th. But it's just so much more interesting when everyone's open about things and as the GM, I've done things too where like I hint at things to come and let's like, but you absolutely should get permission and buy-in before any of that. Like, yeah. Yeah, especially. And that's the key word. Yeah. Buy-in. Yes. So if your table is like ready for anything, like sure, get, get fucking weird at this shit. Like yeah. multiverse us, at, like cool, great, whatever. Like awesome. That's great. And then like they have that buy-in. They know what to expect. They're not going to like get so focused on like their horse that they ride I, I always come up with that example I'm, I'm a horse person I like horses so it's like okay you know and then like oh now you're flying in a spaceship you can't take a horse with you bye and you're like oh, but my, my pony yeah I kind of had that in my in-person game where barbarian who came from a place that is known for its horses but I was to be fair I was like okay this is clearing a keep you're going to be going inside a keep and clearing out all the monsters inside and he brought a horse <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and then he was, he was, he was salty about it. So we just made fun of it. <laughs> yeah. Isn't there? Like, oh, it, well, no, the horse can stay in the dinghy and make sure it doesn't float away. He can row the boat. And he's like, oh, but we got to get back to the horse. He's like, the horse isn't here. Okay. <laughs> isn't there, isn't there like a whole entire D&D subclass that is like all about having a mount? And it's like, yeah, cool. We're going to go dungeon diving. And you're like. <laughs> Yeah, the horse gonna stay outside yeah, the dungeon. Horses in D and D are more in more danger than parents in D and D. Parents in a backstory. Yeah, um, I will say I absolutely metagame as a player yeah. with other players. I will be in messages with other players. We'll we'll be talking about like maybe things that our characters have done off screen, mm-hmm. or you know what I mean. Of like, okay, hey, what would be really fun is if like. Like, if you're playing a fan, like, what if we go fishing, like, in between sessions? Like, what if, like, our characters yeah. just, like, love going and just, like, spending and going fishing? And then that gets brought up in-game. Or, like, a big one is romance. It's, like, me and another player are, like, we clear things with each other and we have that conversation of, like, okay, what are what are acceptable, like, means of, like, how do we want to go about this? What makes sense? Like, and those conversations, well, are considered to be metagame. 
Those kinds of conversations are like really, really great. And I know that we just got really off topic. No, no, it's great. <laughs> no I think it's important. Damn, um, I and I think I think Rose like did a great clarification in there. Absolutely. Cooperative storytelling is different than metagaming. Yes. I yeah. think metagaming is like the negative connotation where they're like, oh, I know so and so has yeah. this. So I'm but gonna they're... steal it from them at night and like run off and sell it. It's like, how would your character fucking know? Yeah. yeah, but like cooperative storytelling is a much. And I, yeah. I actually encourage my players to like set up a text thread without me. Yeah. yeah, and like I love to be like, and you burst open the door and you walk in and the dragon turns around and goes, and now you will be my kibble. And then go and then like and that's where we're cutting for the night. Now yeah. <laughs> you did not prepare very well for this, so feel free to text thread it up. And then like the next time you play, and they're like, I'm gonna hold my action until so-and-so goes, and then I'm going to do this. And then, like, and they're all, like, super coordinated. I'm like, oh, my God, this is awesome. And they feel so cool doing it because they've planned it out beforehand. And let's get it straight. Your character is a much better rogue wizard fighter than you are because they're that person 24-7, and you just play it for funsies, like, once a week or once a month or every six months, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I need to clarify. I'm sorry. Drowning in Blood Tears, who is welcome, new new person watching your show hey, for the first welcome. time, chatting for the first time, uh, was the person who did the collaborative storytelling yeah. versus metagaming. I gave credit to Rose because Rose just happened to type it and that's what I saw it. So. <laughs> but thank you. Good job. Excellent. All right. Well, there was a second question, a part of that oh, question, right. yeah. <laughs> which was, was how do you mix genres? How do you go about finding the balance when mixing genres? I don't. Go with my gut. I screw it up and then I retcon. Yeah. (laughs) I I, honestly, I think that that is such a difficult question to answer just Mm -hmm. purely because it's going to be different from every table. I never go above 35%. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think it it also depends on what the genres you're mixing. Like if you're going to mix Western and sci-fi, like people are, you have to think about what your players are familiar with and where they're going to jump. A bunch of people nowadays are going to jump to Westworld. Mm-hmm. Like immediately, that's where a lot of people's brains are going to go. Other... Cowboys and aliens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that Terrible that gem. Oh my God. <laughs> I worked on it. Anyways. Yeah. I snuck into it at Comic-Con. My husband and I, I were... just skimmed it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see it at all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did. But yeah, anyway. And I think that was the year we did a Happy Jack's meetup at Comic-Con. Con too, maybe. I think I because I was drunk from that, and then it was like right next door to the Cowboys versus Aliens. Why do I feel that like all of your stories about cons you're drunk? Well, the ones that I'm telling. They're, I mean, they're not all happy jacks. Yeah, happy jacks. I mean, there's also also a lot of like cosplay ones, but like talking about how much high heels hurt is le- oh. a lot less fun. But um, <laughs> can only imagine. I mean, they so do. They, they do. hurt. It's they're fun. terrible. Yeah. You have to imagine. I have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thinking about the genres that you're mixing and why. Like, because I think that motivation has a lot to do with it. If you're like, hey, it'd be really interesting to meld these two genres in a really interesting way, that's great. If you're like, I'm going to start them here and then we're going to jump to this because it'll be really startling and like a shocking change. Like maybe double, like take a little second thought on that. Like, so really like figure out why you're doing it. What are you trying to capture by mixing those two things together? Mm-hmm. Like there were also, God, I can't remember. There's a Hannah... Barbera cartoon like a long time ago. It had horses in it, which is why I remember it. And it was like robot horses. And it was like these cowboys who had these robot horses. And I don't remember a lot about it, except that they were cool horses and they were robots. But like, if you're like doing some weird thing like that, like, okay, this is like some sort of like, like if you're twisting that or you have nostalgia and you actually remember what that show was, maybe you're making that. 
So I think the motivation and why you're doing it Silver needs to be. <laughs> oh yeah, Lone Star, trying to get budgets for my face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're the new favorite. Good job. <laughs> well, I was gonna say Thunder the Barbarian, but I think they just had regular horses. No, they just had yeah, they had regular horses, but they were real cool horses. But um, that's pretty much the only thing that got me to watch cartoons. Like cartoons, if it had a horse, I was a fan. Yeah. <laughs> Brave Star too. Also, yeah. Yeah, anyway, so like think about what it is you're trying to achieve with your mixing of these different flavors. Sometimes flavors are great together. Sometimes they're not. So is it peanut butter and chocolate that you're mixing? Or is it like cranberry pickles. and pickles? Pepper in your cake. Yeah. <laughs> so like think about it. Like why? You're putting pepper in your cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're doing it just to be shocking and different, like then it's not a great motivation for it. I feel like that could be said about anything that you do in your entire life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe not. Like, well, if you're doing it to be shocking, it's usually not a good reason to be doing it, right? Like, if you're doing it because you want a change or want to escape whatever aspect of it, but to do something as a pure shock value, I think that's where, that's where like, the difference is. Like, oh, well, you know, we're talking, I am aware of a game that a friend of mine used to be in where they were told, okay, you're going to be in this world. This is a city. Everything outside of the city is a poison gas and everyone dies. And so you, they built the character very specific to be like, okay, cool. This is going to be street level. We're going to be just fighting in the city and we're going to have to solve crime in the city. It's not going to be an adventurous, like we're going to take off. Session one, it was like, cool, you're going outside the gates. And they're like, well, my character, what? Like, yeah. Maybe you could have told me we were going outside the gates. Yeah. And I mean, another aspect of that is like, I was a player in a game where like, I want to say session two, the GM had this idea in his head and he loved it. And once it was explained, it was a very interesting idea and I would have moved forward with it. But the, the way he went about it was that he killed everyone mm -hmm. and everyone was actually going to be reincarnated as these like other aspects so that like when people couldn't be there, it made sense story-wise. Write a book. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the thing is, is like he didn't tell any of us and mm -hmm. explain any of that. Yeah. And so when I see that there's only one other person in my party that hasn't been down and there's like 20 more bad guys, mm -hmm. my character just bolted. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't want to die. Like I want my character to survive. Maybe I can come back and get them or whatever. Like I had no idea what the the story was. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't like this. This is not fun to me. And, no. and then it was like, they explained it to me after the fact. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. I just wish you would have. Yeah, you should have told me. Yeah, yeah. I had a, a birthday adventure that I ran a couple of years ago. My friend called me up. She's like, what are you, I'm putting on a birthday party, whatever you want to do. And I'm like, I just want to play D&D &D with my friends. Yeah. This is when I first moved out to Minnesota. And, and I was like, all right, make third level characters. We're going to do this. And I have this adventure I like to run people through. And everybody got there and they had these like crazy characters. One was like, I'm a drow pirate captain. I'm like, you're in the middle of the most landlocked place in the world. Like I, that was my fault. I should have been like, so here's the conceit of the adventure, yeah. make an appropriate character. Yeah. I have a game that I really want to run where I am going to kill everybody at the first, <laughs> first session, but I'm going to tell them ahead of time. Yeah. And it's a, a game called Shield Maidens mm -hmm. and by Mongoose Publishing. And I was going to do some sort of, I backed the Kickstarter thinking it was something a little different than it was. I still love the system, but originally I thought they were like Valkyries. Mm. So they were going to be like, I was going to have them, I was going to do like a, an all Femi table and have them make characters from like battles throughout history. 
And then like, okay, this is, and then they'd each like explain how they died. And mm-hmm. then they, their real characters that they really make would be the Valkyries that they were then like afterwards because they were like whether they died in World War II as a nurse or whatever it was, like all these things. But that was like the one thing I was like, okay, I, think, I think I need them to be a character and then die and then play the game. But I don't know. I think, and obviously I would explain that to them ahead of time. It would be yeah. really shitty to be like, you're making these amazing warrior women and they all fucking die. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, would not break my okay. heart out. No, 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 that would be yeah. bad. Um, <laughs> also, I have another, I have to correct something. Uh, it was not Lone Star. Brave Star was the name of the cartoon. Lone's, I think Lone Star was one of the characters in it. Ah. And I was very excited because I was like, ah, my brain recognizes that. I think that's right. But they have gone into IMDb. So GM Radio Rob came up with the actual name. Don't worry, Drowning in Blood Tears are still my favorite. Yes. Rob knows why. Okay, anyway. Yeah, Rob knows what Rob he knows did. why. All right, mailbag number three. I can read again, or... Well, hold on, hold on. You were talking about Shield Maiden, and it made me think of Emberfall. Have you ever played Emberfall? No. So Emberfall is kind of what you've described. Okay. Which is basically you are these, these not deities, but you're these, these characters, and each time you die, mm-hmm. which the point of the game is that you do die, and that's how you level up. And depending on how you died determines what your options for leveling. So you choose your base class, like, oh, I'm a shield person. Oh, I'm a Uh damage person. Now, if you die sacrificing yourself to save someone else, you level up and you get the options of, oh, well, you had a a self-sacrificing option. So or that's how you died. Here are your options for your your next level. Mm -hmm. And it's a different class that you add on to it. But the th- the thing is, is that you can only die like 12 times, I think, uh-huh. before you're like dead, dead. And like, that's the end of the game. So there is like a, okay, I'm just going to jump off a cliff, right? But it's very similar to that. And I think that would actually like lend itself very well to like a Valkyrie storyline of yeah. hi- through history, each of them dying mm-hmm. at the end of a session and moving on to the next war, the next thing yeah. that they have to do. Just made me think of that. That's super interesting. Yeah, I wrote that down. I'll definitely look at that. Because, yeah, I really am excited about the Shield Maiden system that Mongoose came out with. But it it has very set lore, and they're very much like living Shield Maidens. Mm. And that's part of it. It's like, speaking of, like, mixing, it's like high-tech Shield Maidens. Like, they're in, like, like Ragnarok has happened in the future. Mm. So they've got, like, these, like, 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 really cool cybernetic. It's very, like, cyberpunk, like, like, cyber Viking. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And... Like, it's made, like, you can be anyone, but it's made for women, shield maiden characters, which is fucking cool. And, yeah, it's just, it's a very cool setting. But it's it didn't lend itself to, like, with that first idea. I'm definitely going to run it at some point, because I backed it, like, oh, sure. so fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, yes, 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 please, 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 yes. All the monies. Yeah. There you go. My fantasy world, Aldgate, AldgateRPG.com, <laughs> is what we're terming musket punk. <laughs> so okay. yeah so there it's a little bit clockwork but mm-hmm. and it's basically like musketeer pirates sure stuff and when i run it i keep all of that stuff i have like a couple little clockwork things here and there yeah. mostly it's it's historical fantasy and then my buddy brian who's writing the book with me when he ran it he ran us through a clockwork dungeon and that's like way too much for me but it's just enough for him and it was super fun so i don't care yeah 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 <laughs> That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But I, I can read the next one. All right. All right. Hello, Happy Jack Advice Show. This isn't an email seeking advice, but one of success. I'm a Discord community member 
who's mm-hmm. been trying to uh, be active lately. I have just gotten through a rough couple of years emotionally. I'm sorry to hear that. And since I've always found comfort in journeys your character go through on your actual plays, I thought I would try dipping my toe back into the gaming community by gaming with the community I'd been lurking in for for years. That's always good. Like, Mm -hmm. I love lurkers. We've got a ton of people on the Discord. We've got like a handful of actually active people. (laughs) But I love seeing people that have been in the Discord for like years and like pop in like, hey, so I saw this thing and I wanted to talk. I'm like, welcome. This is your first message. You've been here for three years. There's <laughs> uh, a lo- charm about that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I totally relate to that. I started talking in the Happy Jacks Discord and got involved with a couple of game days and JackerCon. I'm going to want I want terminology explanations yeah, after this. The, this has helped me incredibly by relearning how to talk to people outside of my work context. Playing in the community has also helped me enjoy different systems and role-playing systems. I want to thank everyone I've played with so far, but I didn't take a good enough notes, nor do I want to make you read all the names. To close, I want to thank Happy Jack RPG for playing games and fostering an acceptable community I'm getting to know. I want to thank the Discord community for gathering and being a great group of people. Most of all, I want to invite people to fence about... I want. Fence? People on the fence. Oh, people on the fence. I skip words. Yep, um, me too. Most of all, I want to invite people on the fence about joining in to do so. Join the Discord and play in a game days and have a freaking adventure for a few hours. Missed pronouns like the 93 games. Pronounced like the 93 games. I loved Missed. I spent so long on all those games. So many hours. <laughs> I could not. My puzzle solving skills at that age yeah. were just non-existent. <laughs> No, I, was I like, don't. Well, you get to kill in this game. Yeah. <laughs> I have to solve puzzles. I no. Don't fucking tell me how old you were then. Okay. All right. <laughs> I uh, do not know. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad that you've enjoyed it. So game days is because we think we're funny. Uh-huh. Uh, instead well, of spelling it like D A Y S, we spell it. Well, so I, I caught on to that one. Okay. So I caught. It wasn't the game days. It was the Jackercon. Jackercon. That was the one that I wanted because game days I caught because you were talking about in the earlier. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The intro. Yeah, so JackerCon is our once a year online convention. Okay. So for like three to five days, depending on what time zone you're in, people run like a shit ton of games. We had, I think it was like 15 games the last one, like back to back. People just run them from all over. It's really Mm -hmm. fun, but super wild, like array of games too. So it usually happens like late summer. And it's community run, as James says. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, we don't have anything to do. I sometimes run, but like the, People got together and started running it years ago, and it's just happened every year ever since. It took a little bit of a, a dip during COVID, like everything else, but yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing. I, I hear like people were going through stuff during that time. What? You know, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, but we're we're blessed with a super incredible like community that does a bunch of shit on their own that they don't need. They know better than to, to rely on us for doing things. Yeah. So they've just they've grown up like. They're like the the Gen X of like like fan and community groups. It's like okay, like they have the the keys. Like I got the key. Yeah. I let myself in and make yeah. myself dinner. It's <laughs> exactly. Fine. Yeah. That's a very much their their vibe, and we love them so much for mm-hmm. it. And like as long as they're home by the time the lights turn on, they were fine. Everything's good. That's great. Mama drinks a little bit too much wine. So it's okay. <laughs> I love you, Eddie. Awesome. All right. 
Wow, two hours. It's been a while since we did like it's almost two hour episode. I I will tell you, I can talk for hours. (laughs) You're going to have to come back. They love it. They love it when we like pontificate for long periods of time. We went down holes that were wonderful and so good. Just like Alice. (laughs) Well, it was great because it was like, I even called it out. I was like, I don't know how we got here, but I, we are way off topic. <laughs> but it was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't. And I was like, and we're going to continue to be off topic. <laughs> Honestly, they'd be super disappointed. They they really dislike it when we stay on topic. <laughs> yeah. They don't like railroads. They're not you. you yeah, know? They, don't. They, don't, they don't like a linear it's story sandbox. <laughs> yeah. And they're not used to it. They're like, why is mama staying on topic? I don't know. Okay. Anyway, thank you for joining us for season 32, episode 22 of the Happy Jacks RPG podcast. Please support our amazing Indie Designer of the Month, Monroe Wells Soto. He, they, at monroro.itch.io. Thank you to our chat mod, James V, and to our amazing Patreons who keep us ad-free and independent. You can join their amazing ranks at happyjacks.org slash Patreon. My name is Kimmy. I'm Ingy. And I'm Jake. And, and today, I almost forgot again. <laughs> and today we're going to leave you with a song called Laser Printed Hero. It's by a group called the Mary Seuss. And someone cool is playing guitar in it. All right. Uh, Are you really? Yeah. No, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Right, and uh, I'll see you all next week. Bye. She looks upon the landscape of this ancient battlefield. She looks Upon the horrors that curiosity reveals, that endless goblin army full of avarice and vice. She gently calms her battle steed as she reaches. As she waves amongst the horde, she leaves a trail of corpses with her trusty plus three sword. And she's a laser-printed hero, no prisoners shall she
is a product of the Happy Jacks RPG Network. The Mary Sue's performed our intro music, and our ending song is played with the express permission of the artist. Visit happyjacks.org for more information and to find all our streams and podcasts.